Genesis Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 9, season 24. In a week that has been quite a memorable week in many ways for us, um, I've had random people shouting at me their perfect combination of cordial slash squash slash orange juice and water uh, on rallies. So there you go. So on the Cambrian Rally, which we've just done, um, I had two or three people driving out of scrutineering, shouting at me their perfect combination. It's nice to know we've at least got three listeners anyway that pay attention. Um, speaking of people who pay attention, I've got obviously my colleagues that I tweeted about this morning who are joining me. I'm going to go firstly, I'll do it in um, alphabetical order. I'll do Jack Bengen first. Hello, Jack Bengen. So you're going for first names in alphabetical order? Well, I guess I'd still be first. You'd still be first. first. That's difference. where I was going to go next, because Ryan Champion would be next. No, he wouldn't, <laughs> Trevor Agnew. Well, oh, Trev, you've ruined well, it. What order are we doing in? We're going to go Jack Bengen oh. first. Jack, hello. Hello, how are we doing? I'm all right, I'm all right. I Apart from this mishmash introduction, I'm all right. Yeah, well, it's nice uh, It's nice to see you smiling on a rally again, which is, uh, feels like it's been a little while since that's happened. Uh, do you know what, mate? It has, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on. That's not what that's not what today is about, but I'm sure it will come up in conversation. But thank you, yes. Um, Trevor Agnew, hello. Hello. If we use our surnames, it's B-A-C-S in that order, isn't it? Which Bullshit. is a reminder of how you get the fees into our accounts at the end of this. <laughs> 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 do you know what let's just take a pause for a moment it's the funniest thing ever said on an absolute rally podcast <laughs> don't forget possibly to type the most in, untrue one don't forget to type in brian champion the correct name for his account because his is money won't find him otherwise <laughs> brian champion is, is is effectively like the fifth beetle that's what he's like in absolute rally <laughs> <laughs> and of course the the, the, the i suppose the, the namesake of brian <laughs> Champion. Ryan Champion, hello. Ironically, that is what I used to get called when I was younger as well. I used to get Brian. There wasn't there wasn't many Ryans at the time, so I used okay. to get Brian. Oh, that makes that, that makes sense. Um, where are you at the moment? Because you've just stopped the car to do this. So where are you? I, I have. I'm not a million miles from home, but I wasn't quite going to make it home in time. So uh, I, I I am in uh, sunny North Yorkshire, which is been... really sunny at the minute, but it was raining about five minutes ago. Have you? Yeah, been I've any... been in that situation with you recently. <laughs> just not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but I, th- I think we did anyway. Um, uh, have you been anywhere interesting, Ryan? Because to be fair, I live by curiously through your, your where you end up. Your travelling is is far more interesting than mine. Have you been anywhere good? Uh, what just this morning? Yeah. Well, I suppose it was reasonably interesting because I've just dropped the Super sixteen hundred Puma off at the sticker shop in Thirsk. Oh, yes. It's going to go back into its uh, Monte Carlo livery from uh, 2002 that came up in conversation while we had a massive delay over the weekend by the way I, a man who was seated behind me is a man you'll remember from the Peugeot days Andy Bennell yes yes yeah, who hasn't been out for a while he's got an X-Works Super 60 well what would have been a Super 1600 Skoda yes uh, yeah I've seen I've seen, uh, seen pictures of it yeah and uh, he's talking he was talking about putting it back and he used you as a point of reference he said I'm thinking about doing well you know obviously what Ryan's done obviously putting stuff back into to Perry because that's the things that people do now so funny enough I speak to Ryan quite a bit and I can tell you and now you've said it officially the Puma's the next one he was like oh so he was he was excited by that yeah, so so we've just been uh, going through pictures from Monte Carlo when Francois Duval drove it, and uh, and yeah, it's going to go back into that livery over the next couple of weeks. Have you got Francois Duval's race suit? 
I haven't got Francois Duval's race suit. I've got my race suit that I used when I drove it the following year. Does it still fit you? It does. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's so annoying. That's impressive, though. Right, it is impressive, but you can't say that to him because we're on the podcast. <laughs> it can't be nice, so it's annoying. Yeah, but in fairness, he was 18 stone at the time when he first drove it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Jack, I was, I was luring him in. Don't ruin it. There's always, I'm always going to go somewhere with it. I'm always going to go somewhere with it. The microphone's um, on mute. Right. A couple of things. Um, shall we do some of the things on Twitter before we get to the news? Or should we do some of the news before we go to do st- stuff on Twitter? Oh. Anyone? Um, I think you should do the news first because it'll, it'll just confuse people. Yeah, we, okay. we always no, start with the news. I'll have that. I, I, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't make the show random. I mean, there's always structure to it, isn't there? Oh no, that's right, there isn't. Yeah. Wow. Um, you bitch. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I don't want to. Do you know what? This is genuinely. I don't want to speculate too much on this. Obviously, the the, the big news which which came out uh, yesterday. Um, as we record this on the November the 2nd, was with regards to Oitanak missing Monza. I don't really want to get into it. Um, obviously, there's, there's, there's family reasons. I genuinely don't know any more than that. Obviously, we just hope everything's okay um, for Oit Jack. But um, uh, obviously, a big, big, big opportunity um, for, for the man coming into deputise for him. Yeah, well, it's it's taught me that I should never say anything about anything ever again because every time I seem to open my mouth on this podcast and say something, it seems to be wrong. So uh, I probably shouldn't bother again because after he'd uh, after his exit from M Sport, I'd said that I thought his uh, his, his comments in the next rally while uh, driving the hard drive the first time uh, sort of weren't was the best. Polo, towards wasn't M Sport. It? He was driving the Polo. It was a private. Oh, sorry, yes, polo. yes, yes, yeah. For the, it was the Polo first. Yes, you're right. Yeah, um, and I'd said that I don't think any manufacturer would be taking him on anytime soon after. His comments and, and suddenly he's back in the car so uh, yeah basically don't listen to me but nice to see Timu get an opportunity again uh, we all know he's the, the, the underlying talent is there and, and for whatever reason that's not you know manifested itself over the course of a season enough for him but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how he gets on um, Trev you know Timu seems to be somebody obviously we, we, we spoke about quite, quite a lot and you were talking about obviously the investments and stuff behind do you think and, and obviously it wouldn't be known that that Oit was was possibly going to stand down from from a, from the final round of the championship. So it's not like there was, you know, it's probably um, it wasn't probably planned as such. But do you think the strategy, with the benefits of hindsight, looking of him going early from M Sport and stuff now, do you think there is perhaps uh, now a half open door? With high end eye, with, with, with the view of, of, of maybe becoming part of the entourage, because they've, you know, historically over the last few years, they have had, you know, strong connections and driver lineups even behind the scenes. Yeah, it's such a shame about the circumstances, the way he's going to get the drive, but you certainly couldn't turn it down. Uh, but going to Monza, if the conditions are similar to last year, uh, to do one rally and a world rally car to try and impress. Um, he just got out of that whole pressure cooker situation not that long ago, so he's right back in it again. And let's see if time out from where Rally Car has focused him, if he has had any help, uh, because a lot of it's course in his head. The biggest competitor, as I've said, is, is the one inside your head. So if he's been able to quieten that and be able to focus and concentrate and with a different car and hopefully a bit of testing, uh, which was his bugbear this year, they can go out and show us what he can do because, like Jack said, you know the talent has always been there. 
Um, he just needs to be able to go out and drive a rally and do something for the manufacturers because oil, oil will be a big loss in the manufacturers' championship, which, of course, they're, they're well behind in it anyway. But, um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting one. It's, uh, it depends what Mr. Damo has said to him, what he needs to do when he goes in the rally. Right, we've banged on about it for, for, for weeks now, talking about, obviously, the, the kind of the glass ceiling and where, where can people go? Is this, is this proof? Of, of, of kind of hanging around and obviously he was in a world car you know earlier this year and obviously he, he was around M Sport and stuff like that but is this uh, um, perseveration you know is, is this a, a situation where you know you, you have got to stick in there and keep plugging away well uh, these opportunities don't come around very often do they you know we see driver line, lineups normally set set for the year and it's unusual for an opportunity to come up like this but of course you, you've got to keep your name in the frame for when that opportunity comes up um i guess the the question from my side is why isn't oliver solberg in the the works team for monza because he's signed for next year as as the third official driver um they now need another official driver for monza so why is he not in there you could argue that they've put timo in there because he's got more experience and and he can arguably i'm I'm trying to look at it from their point of view they may be thinking he might stand a better chance of scoring manufacturer points but then surely if you've signed oliver for next year he should be good enough now because it's only one rally away yeah but I suppose, and again, before I bring anybody else in, I wonder whether, you know, they've, they've, they've committed, they've committed to Oliver now. They know, they know what they're going to get with Oliver. And is this just a case of, well, let's, you know, that we know they like to bring people in and they like to have people around. And obviously they've got this tie up with, with, with ERC and obviously with MRF tires and stuff like that as well. Is this just a case of, of being in a situation where, you know, there's, there's always somebody just in the background waiting to step in. You know, Oliver's all kind of there. He's established as the wrong word, but he's already part of the team. And now they're looking for, I suppose, you know, the backup of the backup almost. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but then you could have also promoted Oliver to the factory team and, and put Timo in the in the you know the two C competition car, the the, the semi official team. But um, anyway, that's that's the decision they've made. Um, like like Trevor said. He he has another opportunity in a world rally car, but it but it is a, I mean whether whether it's make or break, it is certainly high pressure. But you would imagine he will get some some decent testing in the in the car beforehand. So it, it it's certainly an opportunity he's got to grab with both hands because he's he's not going to get a better opportunity than this anytime soon. Couldn't agree more. Um, so uh, I want to talk. Um, I don't know. By all means, anybody shout out at this. Um, the, the mock rally that High and I did with the 2022 car. Is, is anybody up to speed with this? No. Uh, yeah, just I think so. Jack, good. Thank you. Right, that'll do. Thank you, mate. Um, <laughs> so I, I think this is absolute, and I'm sure this is, must have been done before. And I'm sure Trevor or Ryan will jump in at some point and tell me that it's happened. But I love the idea that they've kind of gone away and done this mock rally and ran it the way you would, they would on a rally. Yeah, well, he rang the Rally Alba organisers up and, and said, I want to do a couple of stages, and that merged into into a multi-day event in the end. So, yeah, really cool. And I really like what Hyundai did here in in um, 
one of the aspects of it, allowing journalists to, to go, obviously, from my point of view, I found that very appealing, you know, letting journalists go and, and be part of the, the event and see the car working up close, because I think we can all admit, probably, well, at least in my opinion, um, the, these rules have been the most difficult to understand um, from, from the outside, from for, for any you know, kind of rule set. You know, we we usually see the regulations come out uh, a couple of years before they're they're introduced, and it's usually relatively straightforward to understand what's changing. But obviously, with the uh, with the hybrid unit and things like that, this one's been you know a, a bit of a drawn out process where everything hasn't always been particularly clear. And that's not a criticism of the the rule makers, just purely uh, because of the the difficulty in trying to implement this in rallying for the for pretty much the first time. But yeah, it just made things a little bit more uncertain. So it was really cool to see how and I let journalists go out there and, and see up close and personal or what was what was going on with this event and and obviously there's a there's a big downside to that behind die potentially if little things are going wrong or there's there's reliability problems with the car then you know it's um, that that could be quite embarrassing with with a lot of journalists around and not something you know that is that is normal i don't think in any area of motorsport to let people um you know, come up really close and personal, understand exactly what's going on with, with cars before the season starts. I know we have pre-season testing, but you never usually get as close to, to what it sounds like the journalists are able to in, in this event. So really, really cool event. I think it's still quite a few things to, to understand about the, the rule set with, you know, things like where the, where the co-drivers sit in, the, the temperature inside the car and how the different maps and things are going to work on, on the cars. But I think this event has, and, and, and letting journalists go has given us a much better idea of what to expect from, from this rules package find it really interesting Tony right as I say obviously I brought Jack in there it seems almost kind of an obvious thing to do is to kind of you know to to run a full simulation especially when the regulations are coming in Um, is this something you've You've heard about before. We we are the teams doing smaller events. You know, historically, you you'd always see somebody doing. You know, I can remember pro, you know, like pro driving people like that doing like the bulldog rally before rally GB. You know, the week or so before and things like that. But uh, you know, that that's kind of cutting cars. If you you know, over the, the the last few changes of cars, I don't remember anything like this. No, like you say, normally it's uh, contesting an actual rally rather than creating your own. And, and um, I guess, why, why is it not done more often? I mean, that's difficult to do. It's, it's uh, a big undertaking. As you said, testing conventionally is on uh, one piece of road. And yes, they might use a different piece of road over uh, two or three days. But to actually do the road sections, do different stages, um, no, it's, it's pretty unique. And, and as I said, it's... Uh, uh, it's no mean feat because you need a lot of people involved to do that but I'm sure it's given them uh, a useful insight into the technology and how how the car's going to perform what sort of distance you need for, for regeneration uh, how far the, the the battery will actually last on, on road sections that kind of thing it's uh, certainly strange when you see footage of the you know what looks like a wrc car going through a village in complete silence that's uh, i guess something we're going to have to get used to more and more but it's uh, it's a little bit odd at the moment trev you know we we've we've, we've spoke about the, the technology side uh, of all this is this you know when, when we see this and just just following on from what ryan's just said there obviously you know the the the, the, the silent kind of whoosh almost because that's all you you tend to get from 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 an electric car at any kind of pace of of going through going through a village is does it still feel i think you you were and i don't put me straight if i'm putting words in your mouth here you almost felt like there was almost a a talking gesture element here does it still feel as much as a talking gesture to you uh 
I think it's maybe more of a stopgap in that uh, if you look at where M Sport and Toyota are with their development and the testing that they're doing, um, I think with Christian Lorio arriving at the team uh, not that long ago is probably a second generation of this 2022 car that's being worked on at the minute. So maybe it's just a way of getting out, getting the drivers prepared a little bit and doing some work with it that won't necessarily be uh, added to the second generation, if you like, or the second version that Christian probably is uh, is working on flat out at the minute so uh, it was a different way to to fill the gap I suppose but yeah I just I just feel compared to the other two teams uh, it's not where they should be so clearly they're they're behind the the cue ball at this point I, I just wonder though and, and just just thought we, we, we've obviously seen some some fantastic kind of footage from from, from M Sport over the last the last few weeks. Um but it has been, you know, snippets as opposed to, you know, uh, what Hyundai have done here where it's kind of been warts and all. So if we discovered more about the Hyundai in this kind of warts and all scenario where as Jack was talking about, obviously journalists have been allowed as opposed to these kind of perfect moments that have been grabbed by, uh, by M Sport. I think as well, you know, you've got to look at the attitude of the drivers and you, you know, the feedback of the drivers are talking about, um, I know certainly Ryan and I were chatting to Matthew Wilson, uh, prior to the track road rally, who was absolutely loving it. You know, I think it's just an amazing car. Stuart Lydon was saying the same. And, and yet you see other drivers who aren't so enamored with it and co-drivers, of course. So I think there's a lot of it down to attitude or it's going to happen and it's going to happen in a certain way. Of course, you can give your feedback, but you've got to go with the right attitude that things are going to be different. And you've got to be the person who's going to grab this thing by the scruff of the neck and, and learn everything and, and make that part of the challenge that you're going to be ahead of the game when it comes to Monte Carlo. So you definitely need to start with the right attitude. And, you know, it is different, no doubt about it. There's a lot to learn. Um, and we still don't know how the hybrid side of things and how the electric is going to be deployed. My understanding at the start is it's going to be a particular part of a road section. And that's it. Um, at the start of the championship, it's going to be that until they're able to introduce it, unless things have changed. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to learn and you need to go about it right, I think, and, uh, and crack on and get it done. Just staying with, with Hyundai Jack, the story this week with regards to, to, to Craig Breen missing Monster with, with, with M Sport. Um, you know, very magnanimous in, in, in many ways saying, you know, basically he didn't want to go there with M Sport due to his, 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 his ties with Hyundai and effectively maybe take points off them. Is, is, do we need to see more of this in motorsport? Do we see it in other forms of motorsport perhaps? Uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I guess there's probably not too much benefit for him being there with, you know, we're not sure if the event's going to be on the on the calendar again, are we, in the, in the future and stuff like that. So I don't know if he really needs the experience of the event or anything like that. So to be honest, uh, I don't know really. Uh, part of me feels like drivers should try and do every event they possibly can and, and shouldn't turn down the opportunity to, to be out there. But on the other side, I totally understand his reasoning for, for doing that. And yeah, for, for me, I'm, qu- I'm quite indifferent about it really, but maybe Ryan as a driver will have a, a better opinion on that one. No, yeah, no. Well, go on. Uh, no, I was just going to say uh, on that. I mean, there, there's two things, isn't there? Like you said, it's it's the ethical thing, if you like it. I mean, we don't know what Craig's contract was. It may be that he was contracted to the end of the year with Hyundai, um, and they they just released him early, um, so he, so he could go to M Sport, or maybe his contract ended after the last rally. So there could be, you know, we don't actually know what the contractual situation is, but. Secondly, I guess for for Craig, the the benefit, if you like, of not going to Monza is, as he's already said, 
forget about what's gone before and just concentrate on what's coming and uh, his his mind his focus is all about the new car and and going and doing a rally in the old car if you like would be a bit of a distraction whereas now he just concentrates on on his testing he concentrates on the new systems and processes uh, of the of the hybrid car and like i said he doesn't have the distraction of maybe going and doing a rally mm. anyway anyway uh, before we go on a couple of other little bits and pieces a little bit of housekeeping i, I want to do while we're here and i'm going to come to you first trev and we, we we spoke about it again over the last couple of episodes um obviously prior to the one we did last week with john armstrong but um just with regards to um andreas mickelson saying that his he, he felt his european championship win was a tougher one than the wrc2 win and i was kind of quite fascinated by that and i don't know whether this is a change of attitude. We know obviously things are changing for the ARC um, because it's coming under the same umbrella, of course, the same promoter as WRC from from, from next year and whether it's a, it's a, it's a canny way of, of, of kind of tipping his hat to the promoter, I really don't know. But there, obviously there's always been this common perception perhaps that the WRC is obviously the pinnacle, but there's, there's an experienced driver saying, no, actually, my title winning in the European Rally Championship is tougher. Yeah, well, uh, the circumstances over the year, new events probably as well, and not as familiar with it. And the competition, of course, and a lot of ERC events is where you've got local guys who've been doing the rally year after year. And of course, you get that on WRC as well, but it's probably more uh, more of a threat, I suppose, on the ERC events when you think about the, the different types that they are. Um, yeah, and of course, it's maybe you know, that's where he's going to be next year. So, uh, and having won it once is, uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's more difficult or not. He clearly thinks it. So, yeah, who, who are we to argue? Absolutely. Um, uh, Jack, just with regards to the change in the guard, obviously with regards to the promoter coming in for free RC, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and I, I kind of, I've always understood in, in the fact that even going back to, you know, when, when, when IRC was kind of a thing and there was WRC and we kind of understood where we were with the cars. Do you, do you see, um, this ladder now that perhaps it, is it a lot clearer? Or is it is it as clear as mud again? Because you know there's still going to be the aspirational driver because everybody the, the title of the World Rally Championship in, in, in itself sounds grander than what it actually is, as opposed to ERC. Um, what's your take on it? Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? We've we talked we've talked about ladders and feeder series and what young drivers should be doing, all that kind of stuff, loads of times on this podcast, haven't we? And yeah, to be honest, in my opinion, it's still not particularly clear what the best thing to do is or, or where we should be going. As, as always, it's a bit of a chicken in the egg situation. You, you know, it's, uh, it, it's it's difficult to know where to send drivers. Events are changing so much, especially due to the pandemic and stuff like that. So we don't know where the, necessarily where the strongest events are or, or when they're going to run. We don't know what manufacturers necessarily are interested in in the future. And all these championships are having to weigh up whether they should be going hybrid or electric and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, at, at the minute, it's, it's still clear as mud. I don't think that's necessarily all always the, the FIA's fault in that sense because of those things that I've just described there's a lot of things out of their out of their control but to be honest in my opinion at this point I'm you know within reason I'm open to to seeing anything being done to try and mix things up because you know what we've had over the past few years in my opinion hasn't really worked in terms of you know creating a clear uh, a clear ladder that makes the best use of the the funding available and the the kind of 
um, the publicity in each championship. So for me, I'm I'm keen to see it mixed up and keen to see how this situation works and and whether anything will change here. But I think it's um, I still I'm still not sure if it's too soon to judge and, and whether we just need to give this uh, a little bit more time to pan out and hear a little bit more about the plans to to, to really understand what the long term vision here is. is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Um, right, if I can bring you in at this this point obviously we had we had John Armstrong on for a, for a bit of a, a kind of extended chat last week and obviously talking about um his uh, not only his JWRC but obviously featuring ERC and and, and you know M Sport Poland a uh, kind of a, a standalone arm when it comes to doing ERC uh you know Maciek is 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 kind of a the ERC is his baby not only with 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 the rally um three cars but they also have some some rally two cars and of course they they have rally four cars there as well but there's there's news over the last 24 hours 36 hours certainly that opal um who of course used the erc to to, to great advantage obviously think, think about yeah Yerry hutton and, and, and chris ingram and stuff um with the super 1600 car or you know what it wasn't a super 1600 car was it r2 car rather um you know, yeah, used it and, and promoted drivers, and now they're they're looking at coming back. They've got this, you know, to to tick the box of electric. They've got the electric course, one make championship, and of course, winners of that would be progressed through into the Rally Four card. And now they're saying that because of the connection with PSA Group, they've also got somewhere for them to go now. Of course, with you know, with a Rally Two car. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it's great to see Opel coming back, as you said. Um, we've seen some great drivers develop through that program, and and any time there's manufacturing involvement uh, that's in the the feeder ranks, if you like, then that's fantastic to see because that's what we bang on about all the time. There's there's limited opportunities uh, coming through the ranks um, with with assistance from a manufacturer, so that's that's great to see. Um, where ERC fits in alongside WRC two for for example, that's when it gets complicated, isn't it? Uh, you know, we, we talk about a ladder of opportunity. What is the clear route? Um, I see one of the questions on, on Twitter uh, regarding Sammy. He won GWRC. What does he do next? Does he go to WRC2 or does he drive the, the, the Rally 3 car? Well, he's still, um, he's still in a position where he can still win ERC as well. <laughs> so, uh, ERC juniors, he's still in that position as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, it, it just, it, it isn't clear, is it? There, there isn't clear opportunity i mean in, in that particular situation i think probably for for him if he wants to keep career me- momentum the best career momentum he goes to wrc2 and if he's if he's if he's good enough then then he'll shine but he probably needs two years at wrc2 and and that comes back to what what funding's he got after year one um it uh yeah i mean we uh, we've talked about this uh, for a long time, we could talk about it for a long time in the future and probably still not get any further. It's There is no uh, crystal clear route um, to, to go back to what Andres Mickelson said about ERC, exactly what Trev said. I mean, all the rallies would be new to him pretty much. Um, you're against opposition, you know, that the, um, the, the know the rallies well, that have been doing European Championship year in, year out, you know, Lucky Nook and in the past Kaitanovic and whatever they, they've they uh, uh, they've done all these rallies so I can understand for Andreas Mikkelsen it was out of his comfort zone to, 
to go to ERC. Um, but, you know, if it comes to, say, a choice between ERC and uh, WRC2, where do you go? Well, again, it's, it's just going to come down to where's your budget coming from? Where do you think you can get the best value for money and where can you get the best exposure? But ultimately, if you want to progress in WRC, I guess you, you need to be in WRC. Hmm. Um, I just want to pick up on something, boys. There's been a lot made of this um, with regards to um, Skoda. Um, I think it, I think the terminology and the wording you, you, we have to need to be very careful with. And they've paused. I'm using that word pause. They haven't stopped producing Rally 2 car. They've paused it because um, something which I'm very aware of what's going on in the world because my involvement's in it. Um, there is massive delays with regards to stuff moving in and out of Europe uh, when it comes to components and parts and stuff like that. And all of a sudden there's a whole host of of, th- of hoops that people need to jump through. Um, and rather than disappoint their client base, they've paused the cars while they sort out their supply chain issues. To me, that is a very, very good way of controlling a situation and keeping, um, and keeping, I suppose, Trev, that the, the, the car, it is the car to be in, uh, clearly at the moment, because obviously Andreas has just proved it, but it also makes it aspirational as well, the fact that you can't get your hands on one. Yeah, it'll make it more expensive, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, that, and, that's, uh, and, that, and that's the thing. So I don't see it as a big story. Like, you know, it's, it halts production of, of the Fabio. It hasn't. It's been very clever. And the, whoever's in part, in, involved in their supply chain is very, very clever because I know what's going on in the world. And I know, obviously, this source parts from different parts of the world as well. And there is a massive backlog of stuff um, going on right now. So I don't. I don't necessarily see it. It's, you know, it's it, to me, it's, it's, it's a bit of a non-story that's been given a headline almost. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with you. Uh, There's nothing more to add. Thanks, thanks, mate. And and particularly when you've got a brand new car coming. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, do you you not... I'm hearing on the new car coming um, that there is going to be somebody um, quite... um, What's the best way of putting this? Um, Quite experienced who's going to be driving that car next year. Well, Chris Meek. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's been speculated on the internet lots, been, so I'm it's sure it's not a big secret. Okay, all right, I'm not going to say any more than that then. <laughs> um, so, apart from that, uh, you're absolutely right, and it's only going to get worse because we've got this uh, this magnesium shortage now in China, which means aluminium and alloys and all those types of things are going to be delayed. So, and of course, the car industry... Uh, probably having the most profitable year they have had in 15, 20 years and that people are forward ordering into the, the end of next year. Used car prices have gone through the roof, the margins in those are bigger. Um, so there's definitely an effect because of it. And uh, But you're right, I, I don't know if there's much of a story. Ladies and gentlemen, Skoda, welcome to Skoda. Radio 5 Live. You're through to the money hour with Trevor Agnew. Um, <laughs> right. Um, boys, I'm going to go into the, some of the Twitter questions. Just and it's going to, These are going to be quick fire ones because I'm conscious of time. Um, okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to direct some of them at different individuals. Uh, new Ford looks great. This is from Alex, by the way. Thanks, Alex. New, code look, new Ford looks great. However, it looks much bigger than the Yaris I, I-20 Rally 1 cars. Uh, we know M-Sport have a great history of building cars with new regulations, but it looks much... Uh, it, it looks so much better. Octavia 307 come to mind. Um, is it going to be too big? Now, uh, I'm going to bring in Ryan Champion. Aren't they running a scaled version of the car? Wasn't this the whole point? 
Well, he can run a scaled version. Whether it is a scaled version or not, don't actually know the answer to that. But it, Hope I think... it is. I need it to be under four metres long. Long story, but I just do. <laughs> so it needs to be under four metres long to make well, my life a lot easier. That was a World Rally Car uh, regulation at one point, wasn't it? That it had to be four metres long. Hence yeah. the Peugeot 206 with the uh, huge bumpers. And that, um, just, that just fitted on a wide-body aircraft. Just so you know, that's why I'm talking. I know I, I know my dimensions that I need to work to. So And, and there's fewer and fewer wide-bodied aircraft. We know that as well. Yes, they've but, all been um, retired. Um, I think we'll have and to And you wait. thought I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have to wait and see until we see dimensions of all of the cars. Because obviously at the minute, we've just seen them in testing. We, we've, uh, we've seen them separately. Um, and... You know, I, let's see. I'd be surprised if there's a significant difference in size between the the actual cars when we uh, when we see the dimensions. Okay. Anybody drinking coffee? This is for Nigel Williams. I drank mine. It, it was just plain black. Just plain black I just coffee. Finished, I just finished mine. What did you have? Um, I had a flat white with coconut milk. Oh, that is an elite choice of coffee. That's, I applaud you, right, champion. Do you know what? The, 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 there's a level of. Um, if 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 you could rebrand the coffee arrogant, that's what I'm having. That that would be the that that with with coconut milk just just absolutely nails it. That on as far as I'm concerned. Oh, Brian Champion snob, is Brian not Champion. arrogant. Yeah, it's, it's an arrogant coffee. Uh, right, uh, where are we? Uh, Am at seventy six. Alan, hello, Alan. Um, if there was a Mobile One Rally Challenge to be held this year, what six drivers, six cars, six stages would you include? Um, no way we can answer that one quickly. I'm coming I back can. to that. And another I can. I saw that tweet and I wrote it down. Do you want me to rattle through? Go. Loeb, OJ, Roll, McRae, Vatanen, Timo Makinen, Citroen C3, Lancia Stratos, Toyota <laughs> SWRC, Austin Mini, Lancia Delta S4, Jaguar XK120, Onimpoya or Rumaki, the Glens, i.e. Torhead, Glen Dunn, uh, Ormul, El Chocolate, Calder Torini or Cistron, Wanga Coast Stage, and Valgassen in Sweden. There you go. Nailed the tat on. The Citroen C3 is a podcast within itself. Um, right. Uh, I was trying to give him a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it, it was a challenge for most people. Should have um, put Peugeot 307 in there. <laughs> Five speed. Yeah, the whale. Uh, Matthew Jackson. Hello, Matthew. Uh, what's the most enjoyable rally you've all done and why? Jack Bengen. Uh, well, I've got less experience. Do I answer it from a journalistic point of view or no, from just, a competing yeah, you point of view? Anywhere you like. Um, Ypres. Ypres. There you go. One word. Trevor Agnew. Uh, just tell me the question again. I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, I was thinking 307. Most enjoyable rally, Trev. Most, Most enjoyable, enjoyable rally you've ever done and why? Uh, New Zealand in 2001. Because it was amazing. In, Boom. In a Peugeot 206 water rally car. Yeah, of course it was. Not like us peasants. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ryan Champion. Um, I think I would uh, probably go with what, what Jack just said. Ypres was fantastic, uh, incredible event, um, and, and one I would definitely like to go back to, to do. Um, changed a bit in format now, but, but Ypres was spectacular like, uh, at that time. Yep. Neil Whedon, your question has been answered by Barney Mitchell uh, with regards to the typeface that co-driver's name should be in. Uh, following on from a conversation that he and I shared over the last 48 hours with why his co-driver's name is so small on his car. Co-driver's name shouldn't be on the car at all because they do fuck all. There you go. Now, you do realise if I said that, Trev, 
you can imagine the uproar. Now, as a former world champion, you can say that uh, wow. and basically just insult your entire... Because you, you guys... <laughs> I forgot, right, genuinely, just very quick, I forgot how much of a special breed co-drivers are. We had a massive delay at the weekend. And after the first five minutes of the delay, everybody gets out and everybody's intermingling and chatting. And then what happens, and whether you've noticed this as well, right, the co-drivers kind of then get into their own little gang. And they kind of have their own little world. They're like like the goalkeepers. They are a special breed. You are a special elitist, person. you see. Elitist, they're, they're comparing watches and yeah, uh, yeah. arrival. They have a conversation as to how we can sort this mess out. Yeah. I think, you've, uh, I think you've done Trevor disservice there as well by calling him a former champion because, in my opinion, once you're a champion, you're always a champion. I agree, Jack. Like, but, like Ryan or Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, Matt Eden. Hello, Matt. Uh, cream teas. Is it cream or jam first on the scone? Cream. Cream. Trev? Uh, don't care. <laughs> I'm glad you get into the spirit of this, Trev. I really am. Uh, Brian know, Champion? That's got to be cream. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. And where is Brian Champion? Is the <laughs> next question. Well, I don't um, think any of us know, do we? That, that, you know, he's, he is... He's, he's a an difficult enigma. man to track down. Yeah. He's an enigma. Um, you used to call you used to call Ryan the band from Del Monte, so maybe that's Brian Champion. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? God, that feels like a lifetime ago. I know. Um, Anyway, right, um, Bertie, Bertie Redfern, you hooligan. Where was Jack, Jack Bennion, I'm going to come to you first. Where was your first handbrake turn and what were you in? Well, I was in a Toyota GT86 on my bars test. I dipped the clutch as I was supposed to and, you know, nailed the handbrake turn perfectly. And then no one told me when I got in a front wheel drive Fiesta ST that I shouldn't dip the clutch. So that went, that, when I did it in competition for the first time, that, that, that went quite differently. You shouldn't dip the clutch. Have I got the, the wrong way around? I should have. No, should've. no, you're you're right. You're right, Jack Benyon. I'm okay. interested to see where Tony Simpson's going with us. Okay. I w- well, I, to be fair, I'd still I'd, I'd be slipping the clutch a little bit. In a front wheel drive car. Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Mm. Interesting. Why? Maybe, I, maybe I'm just a better driver just than you. It, well, just so it do it. Well, just so it doesn't bog down. Oh, yeah, if you have enough momentum coming in, it won't bog down. I disagree. This is something which is a podcast within itself. I don't give a shit what you've won, Ryan Champion. I'll fight you on this one. Um, Tony's Jack, dying on the hill. Jack, Jack, I tell you what, do you want to teach Tony how to do a handbrake turn at some point? <laughs> no, that's that's just got accident written all over it, hasn't well, it? Well, you did the training for it. Hmm. Mm. I'll, I'll stick to I'll stick to sitting in the co-driver's seat and right. letting Ryan Champion throw me at various barriers. That, 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 that's, that's rattle through. That's the, to be fair, all I'll say is, Ryan Champion and I are on the same rally this weekend. We are, yeah, and 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 Neil Whedon. and Neil Whedon, yeah. So there's there's a boy band waiting to go wrong, isn't it? Um, right, okay. So uh, Trevor Agnew, your first handbrake turn, where and what in? Uh, I think it might have been when I borrowed my sister's Hillman imp when I was about twelve or thirteen. I don't remember right. I don't know how it worked out, but I'm sure I would have had a go at it. Okay, Ryan Champion. Talbot Sunbeam in the backfield, uh, which sometimes went right and other times ended up just clipping a gatepost. Ah, mine was in a Mark 1 1300 Astra. There you go. In I bet you could have some fun handbrake turning a Hillman Imp because on some of the models, the speedo is connected to one of the front wheels. So if you got it up on three wheels, then your speedo goes to zero, even though you weren't doing no miles an hour. That didn't happen. Ah, no, fair enough. enough. Um, right, good, very good quickly, knowledge. we've got... We've got 
a few minutes left. Uh, Ryan Champion, have you been contacted by anybody at Ford Motor Company yet to have your Puma put alongside the new Rally Puma? No, not yeah. yet, but it sounds like a good idea to me. I'd, I'd start I'd start reaching out now. It's because he's used 58 mil and he didn't use Helvetica on the uh, <laughs> on the writing on the back window. So it's M, M Sport have con, con, you know, condemned it to the, to the trash yeah. pile. Okay. Any other business? We need to rattle through any other business. Uh, Jack Bennion? No, I'm done. I haven't got any other business this week. Okay. Trevor Agnew? Uh, electric cars. Um, there seems to be an outcry for electric cars at some sort of form of motorsport. How come it's not happening? Uh, Opel, of course, have got their Corsa on the way. Other manufacturers are expressing interest. It makes sense to me to have a Rally 5 car or a category electric within that. Uh, and you think of Stellantis, who are the overall group for Opel, Vauxhall, Peugeot, Citroën, Fiat, or Barth, Lancia, and also Renault, who are all saying it. So why can't we get uh, an electric car class for Rally 5? We'll just leave that hanging. Um, I agree with you, Trev. Yeah. It's going to come. It's just it's just a matter of when, isn't it? Maybe, uh, they're, waiting for, maybe they're waiting for hydrogen. Uh, yeah, maybe they're waiting just so cars evaporate at some point in the future. I don't know what it is. It's just... <laughs> and, and there's all this talk about, you know, we, we need to educate people about using hybrid cars in motorsport and rallying about what happens if a crash. Hybrid cars have been used in motorsport since 2011, 2012. And they crash quite regularly, and it's never an issue. So what would you rather have, a car with fuel tank with 70 litres in it, or a battery with loads of circuit breakers when you crash the, the tripper thing? I know which I'd prefer. Do you know, do you know your accent, accent then, actually? I thought you said, instead of battery, I thought you said bathroom. I genuinely, yeah. I thought, yeah, bathroom's sweet. That would work really well in a rally car. Which takes me to a Darien, because that's what it's I always a call a Darien. Bathroom sweet. Anyway, um, Ryan Champion, you're any of the business? Well, well mine kind of links uh, quite nicely to, to Trevor's, which is completely coincidental. But um, obviously, Hayden Padden has been developing his electric rally car in, in New Zealand. He's been working really hard with it, with, with Hyundai New Zealand. They've now got it out in competition. Um, and I just, uh, we know all this with, with the internet. We know what happens. But he, he had a, a noise from it that, that he said was a, an actual noise it was a uh, how do you put it not a mecha- well is it mechanical i don't know but whatever whatever way it produced the noise was a sort of a natural form from from the car itself um and he got a lot of criticism uh, on the internet for for the noise it made and, and i just thought that was unfair he's trying to do something here he's trying to make it sound interesting um he was open enough afterwards to say right how do you want it to sound let's give him some support because we're going to see more and more of this in motorsport yes it's the first one yes you might not like the way it sounds well let's be constructive about it what do we want to hear because electric cars are coming electric motorsport is coming so let's get on board with it and let's uh let's you know let's uh, help help it go in the right direction if you like rather than just criticizing it yeah um, and just the, the final point was I'd just like to say thank you to the farmer who just uh, pulled alongside and uh, and just asked if I was all right because I've been parked by the side of the road for quite a long time now. Um, as he approached me in his tractor with the bucket at about six foot high, I was a little bit concerned about what was <laughs> going to happen. But anyway, he just pulled up, gave me the thumbs up. I gave him the thumbs up back and he drove off. So thank you very much. That's very nice. Funny. I wonder if he's listening. Well, he won't be listening at the minute, will he? No, Clearly. I mean, he could be listening to last week's one or something like that. You're I, in a very, I tell you what, you're in a very oh. obnoxious mood today, Trevor Agnew. Well, well, no, well, just on that point, actually, <laughs> M Sport. I went on to the M Sport website to look at the Fiesta Rally 5, and it gives you the technical spec, it explains what it is, and there's a photograph of a Fiesta with R1 on the side of it. 
Am I missing something here? Uh, no, that's what that's what R1 now falls into, and R2 falls into Rally 4. All right, okay, that's easy to understand. Too. Yeah, well, that's, thanks probably, for that. that's probably an old picture. You, you I, I tell you what, you are in a grump today. I'm not. You really are. Uh, well, when you Do you need a cuddle? I was born. No, I'm fine. I'm good. Okay. I'm going out. The sunshine is beautiful here. Okay. I'm going to my bike soon. All right, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> um, quickly, my own other business. Um, thanks to everybody who um, who's, who gave us some support for the Cambrian. It was good to be back in a rally car. It was good to be back in in some normality, and it was it was nice to 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 nick a win and um, get our little R2 car to to third two wheel drive overall on the Cambrian, which was um, which was a good effort, even if I say so myself. But um, it wasn't without a lot of help behind the scenes because we had some trials and tribulations run up to it as everybody does in rallying let's be honest but uh, a gearbox rebuild on the friday morning and things like that so um it was good to to give a result to the guys and big up to obviously as ever we couldn't do it without the marshals we couldn't do it without all the people there was so much footage getting recorded or getting shared or live streamed um on that event obviously trev very kindly grabbed uh, a stage end with me which was with bizarrely julian porter and chris rawls which was really odd um and i did some stuff with somebody else and special stage there as well i think possibly that could have been the most covered rally for a long, long time. I don't know whether you were, you were across this at all, right? But it seems to be like three or four different people doing coverage from it. Uh, yeah, I did, I did see a little bit of it. And, and obviously I saw your interview. And I, I did actually think that you of all people would know that until you're given the microphone, you can't actually hear a word you're saying. Um, I don't even remember what, which bit was that? Cause I spoke oh, when to you, a few when people. you were pulling up, you said I've made it now. Yeah, but you didn't. Uh, to be fair, I was kind of. It was more of a nod to the fact that I had Julian Porter and Chris Rawls there with a full camera, as opposed to somebody with a lapel mic uh, and, and an you, iPhone. Do you realise how close you were for them not staying for you? Because you pulled in down the road to get your helmet off and do whatever you do at the end of a stage, and you sat there for about two minutes as Julian's about to rush off, and he waited very patiently for you. And you probably did, don't know he that. Did, he did He did. kind of say something along those lines, but I thought he was saying it for effect. But no, we no. were just we were just putting the lids in the back, as you do, because the last thing you... I think it was a long road section. So the last thing you want is is that you can't put them through the hole, so to speak. You've got to get out and put them put them in the boot. So um, so that's all it was. It was just trying to settle in ourselves and getting our headsets on and stuff like that. But I didn't know anybody was there. I would have. We would have done all that if we knew they were all at the stage end. But because I've been so busy leading up to it, I was had no comprehension that they were doing coverage, somebody else was doing coverage, and I'm sure there was a story behind why everybody was doing the coverage on this event and whether they were auditioning. I really don't know, but um, but no, it was good to see, and you know there was plenty of people out on the stages, which was, which was good, and there was plenty of people at the start and the finish, um, even with the delays that they had, unfortunately. But um, some t- very very tough stages, but I still I still will say this on record, even what I said on the interview. Alwyn first pass that we did was possibly one of the best gravel stages I've ever driven. There you go. There you go. Right, boys. So Can I um, just mention one last thing, Tony, just yeah. talking about events, because I've been to Deja Vu Donna Day in Donegal, which is absolutely fantastic. Again, a lot of money raised for local charity. Uh, all kudos to 
Beatty Crawford to Plum Tindall, of course, Donna Kelly, uh, whose museum we visited at the end of the run. So basically starting Donegal Town, uh, we went over Lock Esk stage where Paddy Hopkirk had a massive accident in the 1966, uh, Circuit of Ireland Rally. That's before they started to use roll cages and cars. As a result of that, they put cages and cars. So, uh, we had 80 cars do it in road speed and a convoy. The spectators were phenomenal out all, all the whole road section. It was incredible to see the numbers out there. I was very fortunate to be sat alongside Jimmy McRae in one of Colin's legacies. In fact, it was a 91 car of which I did some gravel notes for Colin that particular year. Of course, Paddy Hopkirk was there, Rory Kennedy, and lots of other cars, some fantastic-looking machines. So go on the internet, uh, Google Deja Vu Donaday, and you'll be able to see all of that. And again, just fantastic. All the money was raised for charity, with a lot of marshals, a lot of volunteers who helped out. So fair play to everybody who helped out in that event. Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, last, last little, little bit from me. Uh, I'm, I alluded to it before. Ryan and I are out on Molten Rally, not together. Ryan's getting his REC practicing, and I'm trying to do three rallies in three weekends and seeing how we can do on all those rallies. So if you see either of us, by all means, give us a wave. Um, I'll be ignoring Ryan Champion because that's what we do <laughs> when we see each other in public. <laughs> Obviously, it's not really. Um, I mean, what are the stages looking like, Roy? Well, I can't see from here. I mean, I'm local, but I'm not that local. I um, thought you might be been out. But, uh, <laughs> it's fair to say we've had a little bit of rain over the last few days, uh, but the forecast looks better for the weekend. So I would still say they're going to be damp, uh, maybe muddy under the trees, uh, but drying in places. Thank the you. first three, ma- first three mile of cropping should be good. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, we're doing that bit. Uh, a lot of it is the same as the track rod, Trev. So had we done the track rod, I'd have been well prepared. The <laughs> well, three we miles do that the we track did. Rod. The three miles that we did is run in the opposite direction, so that's no help whatsoever. First okay. two, the first two stages look really good on on the DVD. The, set, the third one, which I think was a track rod stage. It uh, was Langdale uphill. Yeah. looks uh, rough already. It yes, it yeah. does. Second pass, and that's going to be interesting. Anyway, um, Jack had to leave us because he's got to go and do roundy roundy stuff, so that's why Jack went quiet on us. We're not just ignoring him. That would be rude. That has been absolutely rally for this week. Without, of course, our friends at Kielder, we wouldn't be here. So if you can show them some love, that would be fantastic. We'll be back same time, same place, in the podcast hall next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.